When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This podcast is brought to you by Team Trait, a digital solution that helps you hire, optimize, and retain employees. Using psychometric assessments to identify more than 100 professional mindset traits, it gives instant reports you can use to build high-performing teams. Get two free profiles today, no commitment, no credit card required, at teamtrait.com. Team, T-R-A-I-T dot com. Welcome to the Manage Smarter Podcast with hosts C. Lee Smith and Audrey Strong. We're glad you're here for discussions on new ways to manage smarter, hire, develop, and retain talent, improve results, and propel team performance to new heights. This is the Manage Smarter Podcast. We've talked a lot on this show about the weird job market we're in right now, but retention mm-hmm. and optimization of your current people, absolutely vital. It's very unusual what's happening right now. It is. It's very unusual, and a lot of people don't really know what what to do about it. But so we wanted to actually dedicate an entire show then to uh, retention, reducing turnover, uh, and what do managers have to do to make that happen in in today's weird environment. Well, welcome to Manage Smarter, everyone. We're so glad you're here. I'm Audrey Strong. I'm the Vice President of Communications here at SalesFuel. And I'm Celie Smith. I am the founder and CEO of SalesFuel. And Matt Tenney is our guest today. He is a perfect person to talk about this. He works to help organizations build sustainable, high-performance cultures that attract and retain, that's today's buzzword, top talent. He's a social entrepreneur at heart, the author of the highly acclaimed book, Serve to be Great, Leadership Lessons from a Prison, a Monastery, and a Boardroom. I love that title. And over the last nine years, Matt has delivered programs to help improve employee engagement and retention. Listen to some of these clients. I mean, you just start drooling. Salesforce, <laughs> T. Rowe Price, Roche, Marriott, Keller Williams, L'Oreal. Talk about a bunch of different verticals. And so today we want to talk about retention and we want to talk about how core needs, what that is and how that relates to it as well. Welcome, Matt. We're so glad you're here. Thanks for having me, Lee and Audrey. It's uh, it's my pleasure to be here. Happy right. to happy to help as soon as I can and as best as I can. So we've got twenty minutes. Where do you guys want to start with this? I mean, it's it's a huge playing field. Well, what's the number one mistake that people make in, in trying to retain their top talent? The thing that they're not doing, or that they should be doing. That's a that's a great question. So I think um, this is very related to employee engagement, actually. So there's employee engagement and retention are essentially two sides of the same coin. They're, they're almost uh, a direct one-to-one correlation. In fact, Gallup would, um, Gallup's research would suggest that you know, if you improve employee engagement by 1%, you're probably going to reduce turnover on average by 2% or so. Or so yeah. so um, here's the thing is that we this whole topic of culture and retention and engagement, it tends to be perceived as being an HR thing, right? Mm-hmm. It's almost as though it's almost as though there's this perception that you can just go to HR and they're going to sprinkle this magic HR fairy dust on our culture <laughs> and we're going to have high levels of engagement and retention, right? Now, don't get me wrong. HR is an extremely valuable and in fact, in a larger organization, probably an essential partner in this process. But the research is clear on this. Gallup estimates that at least 70% of employee engagement and thereby retention is driven by employees' direct supervisors. Mm-hmm. So if we're not 
focusing on how we're developing direct supervisors to engage team members, we're not going to retain people. They're not going to, team members are not going to be engaged and they're not going to be retained. You know, people think it's all about pay. And, and oftentimes that's what comes up in exit interviews because it's the easy out. People would just say, ah, I took a raise, you know, 5% and I left. But when you dig a little bit deeper, um, you know, as long as pay is fair. So if you're within five, 10% of what somebody could make somewhere else, pay is not even close to being the number one factor. It is how well our managers meeting the needs that people have to thrive at work. It's that simple. So one of the things that I have in my four fits of hiring and promotion that's in my first book, Hire Smarter, Sell More, uh, it's manager fit. That's that's the number two thing because you're absolutely right. We have research that actually shows the exact same thing, whether it be with salespeople and marketing people. You know, it is a relationship with the direct supervisor. And if that's destined to be uh, have a lot of attention to it from from the get-go, then you really have to be intentional about it and it, it could lead to issues down the road. So how does a manager go about identifying core needs of each of their each of their people then to be able to meet those needs? Well, there's there's two types of needs, right? So there's there's needs that are universal, meaning that they apply to almost every human being and almost any organization. And then there's individual needs. Um, so I think it's best to start with universal, particularly if you haven't developed the cadence of having regular um you know, one-to-one -one meetings with team members yet, which which we'll probably talk about soon is something we should be doing. Um, but the, the good thing about universal needs is that they are, by definition, essentially universal. And by my lights, the research has identified about 14 of these needs that apply to almost everyone in almost every organization. And, and they're common sense things like feeling appreciated, um, feeling like you're doing work that's that's meaningful, feeling like you get regular helpful feedback, having clear performance expectations. So it's not all, you know, kind of this like fluffy, uh, you know, I, I'm saving the world at work type stuff. It's it's actually pretty practical stuff. And so the good news is you don't have to go reinvent the wheel. You don't have to go figure out what these needs are. Um, they're well-established. It's public knowledge. There's decades of research suggesting that these, if you meet these needs, you will drive engagement in your team members. Um, and then, you know, the individual needs, things that might be unique to different people or different organizations, if you're building the habits of having regular meetings with people, being a coach who's really working to help people to, to do great work and be great human beings, um, you know, meet the needs that they have to, 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 to do those things, then you're going to start uncovering individual needs, you know, like maybe somebody's got an ailing um, grandmother that they take care of a, a couple days a week. And so they need a, a little bit of flexibility in their schedule. And if you have the ability to meet that need, it goes a long way to showing that person that you care about them. You're, you said in your, um, I'm leaning forward to read the uh, simple sticky habits that help us keep an eye on those core needs, but obviously you only have so much bandwidth to do that. As a leader, what are some of the other, the, other than regular check-ins, what are the other sticky habits you refer to? to well, the sticky habits refers to a, a bit of a larger concept. So maybe, okay. maybe I can step back for a second. So I, I believe that you may not be aware of this and maybe your listeners aren't aware of this. Um, but in the last 20 years, despite knowing exactly what drives employee engagement and retention, in the US alone, we've spent hundreds of billions of dollars trying to improve these things. You know how much progress we've made in the last 20 years? Very little. Zero. Statistically <laughs> speaking, none. Um, and so this begs the question, why is this? And, and I think there's three components. So one is that we, we've already addressed is that this um, 
engagement and retention is perceived as an HR thing when really it's a leadership thing. And HR is a, is a partner who supports us. The second problem though, is that even when we know that helping supervisors lead better is uh, something we need to be focused on, leadership development fails to produce meaningful, lasting impacts, depending on which research you read, about 85 to 90% of the time. And, and the third big issue is that in many cases, in fact, I would say most of the time, the majority of the time, the very act of measuring engagement hurts engagement. And yeah. so, and all three of these things are interrelated. So in order to improve engagement, all three of them need to be fixed. And that's the process that I would recommend is that we fix all three of all three of those. And we can talk about each, th each one of those, if you like. Well, let's only do the third one first, because this is the thing that I, I see with some of the clients that I work with is that I always advise them, like, look, don't ask the question if you don't intend to do something with the answers. <laughs> Thank you. <All> right? <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, 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 and so what happens is, is by asking the question and, you know, you get everybody's hopes up or whatever. Oh, well, they're serious about fixing this issue. And then you do nothing with it or whatever. It's demoralizing. It actually has the opposite effect. That will decrease engagement. So here's a, here's a killer stat for you on how important this is. So Gallup has found that engagement is nearly three times higher in organizations where employees strongly agree with this following statement. My organization acts upon the results of surveys that complete. If you hmm. just get that right, you can significantly improve engagement and retention in your organization. So let's look at how you can do this. And that this is the process that um, oh, great. that I think I is- Yeah, that that's next. where I was how going next. Yeah, <laughs> yeah th this, is, this is the key here, right? So the key is, Getting, measuring engagement is often and almost always divorced from leadership development. So as we talked about earlier, 70% of leadership or 70% of engagement is driven by supervisors. So if you're going to have a meaningful impact on engagement, feed, measuring engagement or getting feedback on it has to be synced up very tightly with leadership development. So what I recommend is that instead of doing a big annual survey, which is very problematic in a number of ways. One is just by definition, if you ask 50 to 70 questions, which many of these surveys are, you are putting yourself in a box where people like, like Lee mentioned, if I fill out a survey, there's some expectation you're going to do something about the feedback I gave you, right? But if you ask 50 questions, I guarantee you, you're deficient in 40 things, right? Every, mm -hmm. We're all deficient in these areas. We can, there's always room to grow. So now it's a month of time figuring out What's, what does the data mean? Where should we focus our energy? Then it's another three to six months minimum coming up with a oh, meaningful wow. plan yeah. for how we're going to address this issue. All the while, employees are losing confidence and trust and leadership because they're thinking, why did you waste my time with this survey if you're not going to do anything? So what I recommend is that instead of doing a big annual survey, is you, you focus on these, these needs, these core needs that people have. And again, the, the, the research on this is is public knowledge. It's, it's not hard to find these. Just look at the Gallup Q12. There's uh, probably 12 of the needs right there. So you know, if, if you focus on these core needs that people have for thriving and you break it down into, well, maybe there's one or two habits for meeting this. So every maybe every two to three weeks, you do a survey that just asks about one habit for meeting one of these core needs. And then here's the killer hack. So this by, by breaking it up, for one, it makes it much easier for an employee to get feedback, right? They just do a multiple choice, takes them 30 seconds instead of a 20 or 30 minute survey, which also makes it easier for us to respond as leaders. Um, and if it's focused on the behaviors of direct supervisors, that also makes it easier to respond because a supervisor can start a new habit very quickly versus making some org-wide change like you know new perks or benefits, which by the way, don't really work that well over the long term. Um, 
that takes a long time. So the idea here is here's here's the hack that that we've discovered that makes this process super super powerful. Well, before you ever, in addition to doing short surveys focused on just one need, in particular one behavior at a time, what we need to do is have a training ready to go that helps managers get better at meeting that need to address the feedback before a survey even goes mm-hmm. out. So here's what happens. You know, you send a survey out, you ask, let's just say a simple question. Like my manager has shown me some type of appreciation in the last seven days. We recommend that survey is only open for two days. You don't get everybody, but nobody gets everybody. I've heard of large companies yeah. bragging about 50% response rates for a survey that's open two months. <laughs> you know, So you're not going to get everybody. The, if speed is the, is the key here. So it's open for two days. And then on Thursday, the manager gets their feedback along with a training on here's something you can do to improve in this area. So now, and, and then they, they can send a message to their team saying, hey, thank you for the feedback. I just got some training on how to improve and here's what I plan on doing. See, what happens when you do this is you're building this foundation of trust. This vert, what we call like a do a little triangle here with my fingers, you know, but it's like this virtuous cycle, right? Where employees give feedback, they feel heard two days after the survey opened, and they see action happening within a day or two after that. Every time that happens, confidence goes up in leadership, trust goes up in leadership. But now back to your question, this is a long-winded way of a- answering your question, Audrey, about habits, is this also solves the problem of why leadership development fails. There's the two big reasons I see, I mean, there are multiple reasons why leadership development fails, but I think the two biggest ones are one, it's not tied to feedback. So if I'm a manager and you tell me, hey, we're going to put you through this two-hour training on listening, I might be thinking, I don't need that. I'm God's gift to listening. Why do you put me through this training? It's a waste of my time. And you're laughing and your listeners are probably laughing, but I've actually talked to L&D managers who said they've gotten feedback exactly like that. We all know that guy. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. How did you like the training? I thought it sucked. It was a waste of my time. I already know how to do this. Now, what if that manager had just gotten feedback from their team saying, actually, in terms of listening, you're a 4.1 out of six. Now they're like, oh, Okay, maybe I maybe I should open my eyes and ears to some training. So that helps, you know, if it's tied to feedback. The second big thing is when we do training, you know, it tends to be in large chunks. We get a lot of information, right? You get half a day of training or a full day of training. And then you're excited, right? You got all these things you're going to do. You you get you, you can't wait to get back to the office and do these yeah. things. And then you get back to the office and this. Doosh, you get hit in the face with reality and nothing sticks, right? And I'm not, I'm not saying that a half day of training or a full day of training isn't valuable. It definitely is. What I'm saying is there has to be follow-up. But what we recommend is if possible, is you do training in these discrete chunks. You know, so I'm talking like a five-minute video. How do you develop a habit to more frequently show appreciation? So now what happens is not only building this virtuous cycle of building trust with team members, but you give a manager just one or two simple things they can do. You create a system for them building a habit around it. You give them two or three weeks to create this habit. Now it's very likely not only that they're going to take action, but that they're going to develop a habit that sticks. And so now when you invest in leadership development, it actually produces some lasting results. One of the concerns that I hear from the other teams that I, that I work with is that I don't feel comfortable you know, making a statement about my manager, you know, I fear retaliation, I fear, you know, that somehow they're going to be able to figure out who said what, and everything like that. And I just don't feel safe in doing that. Yeah. Uh, So how do you address that? Well, for one, uh, if that's a problem, that's pretty telling about the culture, right? Sure is. (laughs) You you just learn something very quick about that culture. 
where if somebody doesn't feel safe to, to give constructive feedback to their boss. But I will caveat that by saying, even in the best relationships, there's always going to be that reluctance, right? Even if I really love my manager, I feel like she takes care of me and has my best interest in mind and I trust her and vice, vice versa. Um, there's always going to be some reluctance to give my boss the feedback that she probably really needs to be her best self. And so I think there's two parts to it. One is managers need to have that uh, context in mind before they receive feedback. You know, to put it in context, like, hey, what, what is your job as a manager? And, and most people don't have a good answer for that. It's really simple, actually. If you get promoted to a leadership position, you have one job other than strategy. If you're, you know, if you're a senior person, obviously you're responsible for strategy also. But every manager, regardless of whether strategy is in your job or not, your job is to inspire greatness in your team. That's it. And inspiring greatness in your team is, a, is essentially synonymous with inspiring employee engagement. Th those two things are the same. So then, of course, the question is, well, how do you do that? Well, if you're going to inspire greatness in your team, you need to figure out what do people need to be great human beings and do great work? So i.e., what are the core needs they have for thriving at work? And what's getting in the way of them being great human beings and doing great work? And then your job is to be a coach who helps meet those needs and remove obstacles, right? That's your job. So if, when managers hear this, and in my experience, they everyone agrees with this. Well, of course, it's obvious, mm -hmm. right? My job yeah. as a manager is to inspire greatness in my team. I'm not an individual contributor anymore. But then, but then. But then it's really hard. But we also know it's way more meaningful, right? What's more mm -hmm. meaningful? You're showing up to work every day. What's more meaningful? To execute 15 things on your to-do list? To, to hit some arbitrary goal that, that you know somebody passed down to you as a number you need to hit? Or to know that you are helping human beings on your team to grow and to thrive? The answer is obvious, right? We, we know what's more meaningful. So now the question is, mm -hmm. if you want to do that, if you want to have that type of meaning and not only be a more effective manager, but find more meaning in your work, you have to get feedback from your team. You need to be craving this feedback. And so when you get it, you need to thank people for it. You need to tell them, I can't be the manager I want to be without that type of feedback. So it's positive reinforcement, right? No one's ever going to believe that it's anonymous, even though surveys usually are very anonymous. Employees aren't probably ever going to believe that. But the two things we can do are one, thank them for the feedback that they give and then act on it. You know, if you're acting on the feedback and people see, wow, when I get feedback or when I give feedback, not only does my boss thank me for it, but they do something about it. You might start off with, and this is what we see, you know, we see clients when they start off, maybe they have a 55, 60% response rate. Two months later, they're getting 85% response wow. rate. Why? Yeah. Because word spreads that, hey, we give feedback. And stuff happens. <laughs> and we well, got to thank you for giving that feedback. The other thing is, is that if you can't show immediate action because you have to meet in a committee and you have to get approval from this, that, and the other place or like that, is to at least communicate that, right. okay, we're meeting to discuss, you know, me and uh, other managers are meeting to discuss, you know, th this concern that, that showed up on the survey. And I'm like, just let them know that. You know, you're doing something with it that it just didn't go into an abyss never to be heard from again. And, and beyond that, Lee, I would recommend, you know, so if you are doing these larger surveys or doing what's called an exploratory survey, where you're asking a question you don't know the answer to, which is, you know, what we recommend is you start off, you build this foundation, this virtuous cycle of only asking questions you know the answer to. It's kind of like cheating, right? You you know people need to feel appreciated. You know they need clear performance expectations. You know they need regular helpful feedback. 
you know they need to do work that leverages their strengths or something that they enjoy. These are things that we know. And it's just a matter. We also know we're not perfect at it. So we need to get, we can always grow in these areas. But when you start asking questions that you don't know the answer to, I would recommend holding off on that until you built this, this foundation of trust is that not only should we tell people up front, hey, this is a, a, a larger issue. You, you've seen how we've acted very quickly to feedback you've given us in the past. This might take us a little bit longer, but we will take action. But then it's also important to regularly give updates on the action mm-hmm. being taken because this is where I think the big thing happens is people are working their tails off in HR and leadership development, the engagement team. Sometimes the C-suite is involved and they're working their tails off trying to figure out how to address these things. And six months goes by before employees see anything and they don't see the action happening behind the scenes. So if you can regularly update like, hey, we had a meeting on this and you know, we, we plan on rolling something out in the near future, then you, you keep it up in people's minds, right? So they don't forget. Because a lot of employees will report, you know, if you wait six months before anything happens, and even if you take action, they don't even associate it with the feedback anymore. They forgot they right. even did a survey six months later. That's where your internal communications people come in. Excellent. Uh, matttenney.com is the website, everybody. It's M-A-T-T-E-N-N-E-Y. Also, I watched your TED Talk about expressing love and care for employees. Everybody needs to go on YouTube and watch Matt's TED Talk. It's extraordinary and has some interesting case studies and storytelling in it. I enjoyed it very much, Matt. Oh, thank you, Audrey. And so what are you working on now? Are you taking on new clients? We're just about out of time. Um well, as you might have guessed, I get a little excited about this topic because <laughs> um, I'm just I'm so excited about this potential of really scaling um, leaders who are making a positive impact on the lives of their team members. And so, yeah, we, we've actually built out a system that automates the process that we're talking about. Um, you know, it has all of the questions that you should ask on surveys, um, oh, you know, wow. the training for all the videos and everything. And, and we'd be happy to give that to your listeners for free. So I think there'll be a link um, there on be. your website, I would guess. Yeah. That in the show notes, click, yeah. In the yeah, show the notes. Special yeah. link in the show notes, everyone. I've got it from Matt. Yeah, just if you're interested in learning more, I mean, we'll be happy to give you everything if you want to build it in-house for free. You know, we'll we'll guide you on how to set it up in-house. Um, and we're happy to do that because our vision is just you know a world full of organizations like this where we're consistently making a positive impact in the lives of our team members. And if if you doing it on your own is the way you want to do it, we're happy to help with that because that helps us realize our vision. That's great. Thank you so much for coming on the show, Matt. Really appreciate my, it. My pleasure. Thank you for having me. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed the show, please rate and recommend on iTunes, Overcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. You can also get more great information at salesfuel.com. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.